This is the IBJ Podcast for the week of April 18th, 2022, brought to you by Taft. I'm your host, Mason King. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. There's been a big question mark on the map of Indianapolis since the GM stamping plant on the far west side of downtown closed in 2011. Located just south of the Indianapolis Zoo and White River State Park, the sprawling property has been seriously considered over the years for many projects, including Indianapolis's Community Justice Campus, a concert amphitheater, Amazon's secondary corporate headquarters. None of these projects, of course, came to pass. In 2019, Indianapolis-based developer Ambrose Property Group was deep into planning and prep work for a $1.4 billion mixed-use development on the 103-acre site, before abruptly announcing in September of that year that it had changed its mind. Now, the question mark turned into an exclamation point in December 2020 when Alanco Animal Health announced that it would move its corporate headquarters from Greenfield to a portion of the stamping plant site. Now, this was considered a huge win for the city and the state in that they were able to keep a major public company in the area and take advantage of a prime, but somewhat problematic, location downtown. And Alanco at the time, was on its way via a $7.6 billion merger to becoming the second largest animal health company in the world. That's the kind of corporate citizen that any government official would fight for. Alanco has committed to contributing $100 million to the cost of the project. The state has promised tens of millions of dollars in tax credits and training grants, in addition to providing the land. The city committed to issuing $135 million in tax increment financing bonds to help cover site improvement, public infrastructure, and financing costs. Details about plans for the corporate campus itself were fairly sparse until Tuesday of last week. Elanco filled in some of the blanks, heralding a 220,000-square-foot, six-story office structure and connected innovation and collaboration buildings that will occupy 40 acres of the stamping plant site. But Alanco CEO Jeff Simmons clearly does not want us to think about this project as simply a collection of buildings. He speaks about it in terms of connections between this project and the adjacent Valley neighborhood, between the neighborhood and the rest of downtown, and between Alanco and other animal health firms that together could create a powerful ecosystem of innovation for the industry. As he puts it, the headquarters could provide the foundation of a planned animal health epicenter in Indianapolis. It's an intriguing phrase, but a little hard to get your head around. Jeff Simmons is our guest this week to discuss plans for the campus and what he foresees as its role downtown and in the animal health industry. Here's our conversation. I am pleased to welcome to the podcast, Jeff Simmons, President and CEO of Alanco Animal Health. Thank you for making time today. Uh, great to be here, Mason. Thank you. Now, first off, I want to get the lay of the land at the former GM stamping plant site. Now, the footprint for the full Alanco corporate headquarters campus will be how many acres? Oh boy, um, I would say probably in the neighborhood of around 40 acres. There's there's more than that, and I would say that's what was so appealing as we looked across the country at different options. 
you do not find that many acres open and available in the downtown city of a city like Indianapolis. So very unique. And yes, we'll be we'll be on about 40 uh, acres. Yeah, my recollection was that, I mean, there might be as many as 85 to 100 acres available, but you're taking a portion of that. We, we we're going to concentrate, as you saw, some of the, the design plans. Um, we'll have White River Parkway built and expanded out front. That's one of the good draw, drawing cards between the White River and our facility. And then we'll have Henry Street now come through the center of our property, and we'll be all on the north side of that. Yep. So the main feature of the campus, what I'm going to see probably first when I'm zooming up 70, uh, is a six-story, 220,000-square-foot glass-faced office building. What will happen in that building? Who will be there? What are they going to do? Yeah, and I'm going to say that probably will be in, an important part of the, the facility, no question. But I would say we've started with an open space, more area that connects that building with a research lab that will be in parallel north of it. So we've got a very open space area. And look, I start with this. There's not many people building buildings in the middle of this pandemic. We are building a destination. We are building, as one of the team members said to me, hey, this is going to be a destination, not an obligation to our employees. So we're looking at everything there. And we'll, we can jump in and have this discussion, but I will tell you, we've spent as much time in this open space area that is going to, you know, have everything from food, amenities, that it's going to be a little bit Starbucks, you know, like to, you know, having, having food on a roof and being able to do things that create the community that drives a culture that ultimately ends in a competitive advantage and a magnet for talent. And in that building, that six-story building, Mason, yes, there will be uh, not cubicles as much as, you know, open offices where the creativity happens around a table overlooking the city. Open space to have an incubator to have our partners in. We are opening our facility to innovators and partners and customers even that want to have access to animal health and the future of animal health. We can talk about that as well. So that's sure. that's what you're going to see. So uh, you said running parallel to that is a lab space. Is that right? Yeah. So look, we we are, you know, our, our business model, just like in Eli Lilly and, and the, the human pharmaceuticals, it's an innovation-centered strategy. We, we have a flywheel, as Jim Collins would say, that is, that is working. And we've been talking about it since we went independent, IPP. It starts with innovation, first and best-in-class products. We've been launching about five to six a year. And that drives both in the pet side, the livestock side. That leads to a portfolio that is differentiated, that keeps expanding around problem areas for different species of animals that then leads to more productivity. Innovation, portfolio, productivity, repeat, continue, and grow and expand. So that lab, combined with three or four others around the world, is going to allow us to do everything from basic research to actually helping coordinate and drive clinical studies that we're doing you know, all the way through. But it'll be mostly the R side of the R&D. What is the timeline then for, let's say, those two buildings? 
talking about, you know, in the 2024 stage um, that will, you know, it'll be two to three years is probably the, the best way to look at it. Just like any new house project or any project, we're going to have our ebbs and flows and our challenges, but um, we're often started. That's what Tuesday marked was groundbreaking concrete's going to start to be torn up and we're going to start to be, you know, constructing those buildings as soon as possible. When would you expect the big lift, the big move from Greenfield to plop yourself down on that campus? It's hard to predict exactly, but, you know, we're going to get it right and we're going to keep running our company and we're going to be, you know, we're in a great facility here and we've got people coming back into our facilities and we're getting into the post-COVID uh, new ways of working here in Greenfield. And, and so we'll, we'll transition when it's right. And uh, again, I'm, we're, we're being told that two to three year time period. Now, in addition to the buildings that we have already discussed, what else will be part of that 40-acre campus? Yeah, so look, I think, I think first of all, we're going to focus a lot on that, that open area of those three buildings. And, um, but let me, let me add a few other things. So we're actually using the, the stamping line. If you go by that facility now, you see the stamping line of the DM facility. We're going to use the first third of that out near the White River and create a glass structure that's going to be used for a a multi-use, larger function site to hold scientific forums, to hold different key meetings. So that'll be tied into the White River Park. And and look, this is all about the destination. We want a place where you can relook at fitness and pets and food and 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 your your total well-being on this site. So we're we're welcoming White River Parkway, this multi-use facility, capturing a little history from the GM stamping. Then you'll have our facility that will be on there. We are going to work very hard. As we said, we're removing concrete. We're not removing trees. We're planting trees. We handed out uh, these saplings to, to, to highlight the importance of, you know, taking the land back to a little bit of the way it was, being part of the West Side Valley neighborhood. And as we said, connecting the valley with the circle. And that's all important. So what you're going to see in this facility is you're going to see a, a very open you know, courtyard. We're going to have a lot of working space outside, and we're going to we're going to have something that's going to blend into the neighborhood across across those acres in our site. Okay, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. This is the IVJ podcast. Taft, today's modern law firm. With more than 625 attorneys across 11 offices, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. All right, we're back with this week's edition of the IBJ Podcast and our conversation with Jeff Simmons about plans for Elanco Animal Health's global corporate campus in downtown Indianapolis. How many Elanco employees would be based there? Yeah, you know, in the neighborhood of around 1,000. Yep. Um, and okay. as you can imagine, this is a, there'll be a combination of permanent working there all the time to some that'll be flexible calling destination in their office, Indianapolis, it'll be around a thousand. At the groundbreaking for the global headquarters this week, you said the project is expected to serve as the foundation of a planned animal health epicenter in Indianapolis. So I was really curious about that phraseology. What does that mean, epicenter? 
Yeah, let me let me back up. I think the most important, you know, headline I would want people to hear is Tuesday was in the groundbreaking. I wanted to emphasize one point, the most important point I should open with this. You know, it's not about a building. It's about building. It's about the verb. We're building four things. We're building the next era of Elanco. Innovation, growth, talent. We're building this post-COVID office, uh, destination, place where we're going to have a whole different way of working and create a whole different kind of well-being where people not only want to come, but they create community, culture, and competitive advantage there. Uh, And it's a magnet for talent. You know, the third is we want to build the west side. We want the valley to connect to the circle. We want to expand and push downtown west. What I've learned in spending time with the community leaders and understanding West Side is this is a really unique, the valley of the West Side is very unique. And I think we have a real opportunity here to take the the amazing neighborhoods and culture that's on the West Side and integrate into that and enhance and be part of it. Not change it, but be part of it. And then the last I would say is this epicenter. We're building an epicenter. So to answer your question, again, First, it's not about a building, it's what we're building. But one of the elements of this is there's a corridor for animal health uh, in, in, in Kansas City. There's biotech in Boston for human pharma. What we mean that our industry needs, Mason, is animal health is not as mature in the way we fund and source and partner innovation. So what the epicenter can do is to give really access to the world's animals, really through Elanco and others, If you're a small inventor and you're wanting to get to the European pet market, we're going to be able to enable some of that by coming here. The other side of it is access to innovation. And innovation takes capital. It takes incubators. It takes partners. And we have some examples how we partnered with Scott Dorsey and High Alpha to actually create this. So our goal is we're going to actually open a part of the facility to where it will be a maker space. It will be an incubator. And we'll be able to have people come in and be able to even interact socially with us and be in there saying, hey, I am here to land the next animal-centered innovation. And whether it's Elanco or High Elfo or just capital funding or state support, we're going to create companies. This vision was less than six months old, and we've already brought two companies to, to play. Elanco's played in both of them. One, High Alpha and Elanco got together and formed Athian. Athian is a company out of the High Alpha model. We had a need our customers have, which is, hey, we believe we can cool the climate and farmers can make money. So what Athian does is certifies the carbon reduction on farms and can help monetize it. That's going to be a big value. That's a company we've spun out really with the idea and then the other one is Biomedit, which is, is all around us spinning out our microbiome research. And Aaron Schott, that used to lead our R&D, is actually set up and formed a company. And it's going to be sourced by outside capital. And it's going, to be, it's going to be set up here in Indianapolis. Those are examples of what the Epicenter can deliver. Are those companies going to be based on that same campus? Well, you know, today where, where things are based, they're going to be using Biomed. It's going to be using laboratories out here in Greenfield for a while. They'll be looking for what the, the best way, there'll be some virtual aspects of it. But we will allow absolutely first a makerspace inside that big six-story you know, building. 
But then over time, we've got room and we've got the vision and we're willing very much. We think innovation has to be open innovation, especially in animal health. And that's what this epicenter can create. And yeah, I, there, there could very well be a building down the road on this facility that could be part of this epicenter. CICP and uh, Mitch Frazier, David Johnson have been very instrumental in this. And they will, you know, Agronovus as part of CICP will help drive it. So if I work for Atheon or Biomedit, will I be based on the Alanco campus or would I just use it when I need it? So, so I think it's, it's early, but I think, you know, that, that there's going to be that flexibility today. So if there's things you need from interacting with scientists and the ability, absolutely, that will be available. Um, but, you know, there also may be, you know, laboratories out here in Greenfield that they're using as well. So, yeah. but the intent is to create the epicenter is really bringing together the resources needed, the funding, the global animal access, the collaboration with the right people, a maker space, an incubator, a high alpha type company that can help set it up. Maybe there'll be a fund that will be created that will actually fund some of these ideas and companies all to draw animal center innovators to Indianapolis. So if I have an animal health startup, what, what I really lack, the kind of facilities that you have or the access to animals that you have, uh, I can call you up and say, you know, I would really like uh, to be able to use some of these resources. Can I drop by <laughs> or, or can I use this makerspace? I don't want to be part of Alanco. I just want to use it. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Because what we're seeing is, look, an, an animal-centered innovator is going to bring, there's a lot of crossover and opportunities there, right? And you've seen this in San Diego. You've seen this in Boston on the human pharma side is when you bring like-minded people together. And look, a corridor maybe for collaboration. Our intention here with an epicenter is no to actually create, start companies and actually, you know, and, and, and all centered around innovation and access, where are the barriers to a small startup that you just mentioned as an example? It is being able to get capital to drive an idea through a clinical study uh, or, or a research study to start, a proof of concept study. You no, know, I need to be able to, I have the product, I can't get it to the marketplace. Or I don't know how to put the business model together to get the capital to scale it. So we just showed two examples that one was business model driven, one was innovation driven. Both of those happened. To me, that's what it's going to be. Business model, market access, and innovation-driven, animal-centered companies come to Indianapolis. And look, I want to congratulate, I mean, the state and the city created a blueprint of what they're willing to do and the ability of how they can work as a team to actually create, you know, an incentive for business that will create opportunities, create jobs. Uh, and I think that's, that's, that's another example. And we're an example. You know, I think we're the, the, the example of that, Elanco, and what they've done. Uh, Atheon and Biomedit, are they considered subsidiaries of, of Elanco, or are they totally separate companies? Totally separate companies. So we have, uh, we've seed funded Atheon and spun it out. That's a typical high alpha model. And other people will put money in, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll hold an advisory seat maybe on a board. Um, and then Biomedit is actually a spin out of Elanco, um, and we won't hold a board seat. We believe innovating in the area of microbiome needs to be done better outside 
with lots of parties, human, pharma, and animal, crisscrossing. Aaron Schatz, tremendous visionary that, that's put this together and has a lot of knowledge of the relationships. He can create more progress and innovation outside. And then hey, if a product is created, we'll be in line ready to, to bring that product into our animal health portfolio if that's necessary. So I'm, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm still kind of circling around this idea. But it sounds like the idea is to is to really seed the ecosystem of, of animal health, not necessarily to create more stuff for Elanco, but to just make it a healthier ecosystem uh, and, and more populated ecosystem where different companies can bounce off each other uh, in this space. Yeah, if we can create in our community of Indianapolis, the leading community in the world for animal-centered innovators that that want to progress and drive things and we are one of only two independent companies that can reach the world animals there's going to be a lot of value there we are a believer in elanco that open innovation and partnering innovation is the way to drive the future and we're willing to take the risk to say maybe it's not all invented here maybe it's not something we have total ownership in but what we've seen in these other Boston, San Diego's on the human pharma side, we're more immature as an industry, Mason, than human pharma. Where are we immature? In the models, in the funding, in the partnering, and candidly, in capital driving early startup innovation and getting through that failure rate and creating the ideas quicker. And access to the world's animals is hard. Um, and that's something we can enable. So all of that is a bet on, we believe, creating the best animal innovative community in the world in Indianapolis will benefit Indianapolis, animals globally, and Elanco will be a recipient within that. What does this headquarters represent the changes that we've, that we've come to expect in the workplace, uh, the changes in employee expectations about the workplace due to COVID-19? Well, first of all, it is not a destination, okay? It's truly something that's evolving and it will evolve as we build this building. So what we're trying to do is keep as many diverse people inside Elanco, diversity outside Elanco to say, hey, there's a responsibility here. We're building a, a complex, a campus a destination for a new way of working and we're doing it coming right out of COVID. So we're taking a lot of responsibility in doing that. And the first thing we're saying is there's no one black and white way to do this. It is, it is truly going to be something in flux. But what we have learned is people want flexibility. At the same time, they want community. And they want to be able to get together to collaborate. When you collaborate in a culture that you really enjoy, creativity comes out of that. But what we need to do is we're competing with people's convenience of their home, staying where they are. So what we're planning to do is we've already started to create a pretty flexible work environment with some expectations. But now we're going to create an environment that's going to create uh, what we think is the right amenities. Yeah, having a maker space and an incubator, being able to have a, the laboratories connected to an open space where the marketers can be together. Hey, you can work outside and inside. You can take care of your physical fitness and your pets and your and your well-being. Um, all these, hey, we got a state park that's going to be integrated in. All of these things matter. I say, hey, the food matters now more than it's ever mattered in my 33 years in, in the work environment. So, uh, look, we, we have an opportunity to actually do something very different and have a competitive advantage when it comes to, you know, the war on talent that, that's going on right now. 
Most importantly, we think urban downtown Indianapolis, what the West Side has and what Indianapolis has is a real drawing card. And that's that's probably the most exciting thing and what drew us from being in a suburb to being in the city is we think that's a big drawing card. Can you uh, outline in a little more detail for me how White River State Park is going to be integrated into this? Yeah, so, you know, it's it's right there now. It's it's close by White River Parkway. But what we felt was more important is up front, down along the river, and there's a lot of plans, as you know, with the river and that whole area uh, from the city, is we felt it was more important to have that that park there, the multi-use glass complex out front as something that is, hey, the communities integrated there with a new area, state park, off the front of Elanco, what it does is we want a campus that is integrated into the community, not a standalone campus. And this this allows us to do that. The other is, you know, demographics of the future, outdoors matters. We saw that during the pandemic. It, it matters a lot to pets, which is the center of our business. So we, we want that ability to be shown and demonstrated on, on the front steps of the Elanco Global Headquarters. So, I mean, the park right now is on the other side of, of the, or to the north. It's going to jump over and some of the park will now be on that campus. That's or right. And, and, and under the passway and right down through the front, right along the, the banks of the river. That's correct. And there'll be more things that will be added over time uh, to, that, to that area as well from the city. So I think the city's vision is tremendous in the state. And truly it is, you know, converging and connecting the valley and the west side to the, the circle, to the center. And I think expanding, as you look at cities like Nashville and Austin and others, you know, the ability to expand and have, you know, bottle works on the east and different things in the center. And now what we can bring to the west side, it starts to make the city expand. Uh, there's probably no better neighbor for an animal health company, Mason, than the zoo. And to be able to have the connectivity of Idle George and the zoo and Elanco and what we can create. And now this complex out front that will be open to the community, we think is going to be a positive. Hey, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to help explain this. Absolutely, Mason. Thank you. Then again, a real a real call out to so many people that made Tuesday a reality to get to the milestone. It's the it's the people behind the milestone that matters. So the state, the city, and many organizations. And I think the last call out is the West Side. Uh, we're excited to have new neighbors to be integrated in with them, to to enhance and be part of the neighborhood, and uh, to take the good that's there and 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 continue that and areas of need lean in and help in those areas of need as well. So we're excited about that and proud to be a Hoosier watching all this come together. We have a great state and city, great governor, great mayor, and a lot of great policymakers that, that have the right heart and the right vision. And we're, we're a beneficiary of that. And we're very grateful. Thank you. Thank you. My thanks again to Jeff Simmons. If you're interested in learning more about Elanco's headquarters campus, you can find our story in the latest issue of IBJ or online at ibj.com. Just search for Elanco, E-L-A-N-C-O. And before you get on with the rest of your week, there are several other stories I want to draw to your attention. First up, Indianapolis-based health insurer Anthem Incorporated has been trying for several years to clamp down on what it considers unnecessary and expensive visits to emergency rooms. But its tactics have come back to bite it. 
John Russell reports that a federal arbitrator has ordered Anthem to pay $4.5 million to a group of 11 Indiana hospitals that complained Anthem's policy was unlawful and breached their contracts. Also in this week's issue of IBJ, Mickey Shuey and Daniel Bradley examine the record prices paid for Indiana farmland, driven in part by demand from developers. And Dave Lindquist examines what could be the busiest summer concert season in history, at least in Indianapolis, and raises the question of whether there are enough ticket buyers to make it profitable. Again, you can find these stories in the latest print edition of IBJ or online at ibj.com. I will say it's quite a bit easier to access all of the latest local news about business and politics and all of IBJ's data on Central Indiana's business community and economy if you're a subscriber. It works out to about $2 per week for actionable information you're not going to find anywhere else. Just go to ibj.com and click on the subscribe button. And thanks again for making time this week for the IBJ podcast, which is edited by Leslie Weidenbenner. I'm Mason King. Hang in there, everybody. We'll be back again next week.